Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. Molly, we have talked about so many things on Stuff Mom Never Told You. And this episode, in title, at least, I would nominate... As the creepiest. You think so? Of all the ones we've done, creepiest. It's kind of creepy. Do we marry our parents? Right. We should qualify. It's not literally marrying your parents. Yeah. It's marrying someone who maybe looks like your parent, Uh acts like your parent, Mm -hmm. talks like a parent. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, basically, it would be... um, if you wake up in, in 30 years, Kristen, you're married to a guy who looks exactly like your dad. Yeah, I mean, but that's still so creepy, like subconscious attraction to someone like your parents. I mean, Freud would be having a heyday right now. And we'll actually talk about Freud <laughs> in a little while. Um, but let's back it up with a couple of compelling findings. Okay. Not necessarily dealing with how we totally think our dads are hot. It's not that we think our dads are hot. <laughs> We'll get into that. We'll get into that. We, we want people to keep listening. Molly. Okay. Oh, that's right. It's totally creepy. Keep yeah. listening. <laughs> so Vanderbilt University study, first of all, found that girls with close supportive relationships with their parents during the first five years tend to develop puberty later. Yes. And they tracked 173 girls from pre-kindergarten to seventh grade. And the paternal relationship had the strongest correlation to the onset of puberty. So they think that if you have a really good relationship with your dad, when, you know, from years one to five, you might hit puberty later. And Mm -hmm. why might that be, Molly? Well, you're jumping right to the creepy part. It's because it might be protecting you from getting pregnant by your father. Right. (laughs) They're saying that if you've got this really great relationship with your dad, it, um, you know, it inhibits puberty. So it inhibits pregnancy and it might be kind of getting at um, ways that we subconsciously avoid incest. Mm-hmm. Whereas the girls who had negative relationships with their fathers or if their fathers left, they hit puberty sooner, probably because there was no male around who might uh, impregnate them with uh, an inbred baby. Yeah, they might be exposed to, say, stepfather or mother's boyfriends, and those different pheromones produced by unrelated males might speed up their pubertal pubertal development. So basically our body's saying like, Hey, we are, we're ready to mate. He's not related to us. Yeah. Dad's, dad's <laughs> gone. Let's, Oh God. <laughs> so there's that. And then there is a study tracking, they use cell phone data to track how often women dial up their dads. And they found this huge drop off with daughter, father communication during ovulation. Yeah. At a time when you could get pregnant, somehow subconsciously you were not calling your dad as much. Or if your dad called you, you were ending the conversation much more quickly than you did at other times during the month. And again, the researchers are positing that it's because you don't want to be like, hey, dad, during a time when you're <laughs> raring to go baby-wise. When you're so fertile. And this is consistent with other animal behavior where the fertile Women, the fertile daughters, will avoid paternal contact. But we are four times as likely to call up old mom during that time. Yeah. So, you know, if there's a spike, a monthly spike in your uh, conversations with your mom versus your dad, women out there, 
might be a sign that you're ovulating. And they're saying that maybe that's because the um, girls call up their mother and say, oh, I just met this guy, blah, blah, blah. And they're talking about a potential mate. So mm-hmm. kind of subconsciously, because again, you know, no one's walking around always trying to get pregnant. But evolutionarily speaking, that's what people think we're trying to do. And so maybe you're running a mate past your mom. Kooky science this is. It is. Um and so the the thought is, you know, we find these little studies every now and then that kind of pique our interest about ways in which we're trying to avoid having children with our dad. Yes. Um, but, you know, every now and then you hear an anecdote from a, a pal or someone who's like, this guy is kind of creepily like my dad. Yeah. They like the same things. They get along really well. Mm-hmm. Same sense of humor. They walk the same. Yeah. They look the same. What's up with that? Is it just an anecdote or are these studies pointing us to the fact that maybe we are designed to fall in love with someone who's very similar to that dominant male in our life. Right. Peggy Drexler wrote a book called Our Fathers Ourselves, and she talks a lot about this idea. And she theorizes that since the dad is the first man that we get to know on intimate terms, and he can also be sort of an elusive figure in a very gender traditional household. He might Mm -hmm. be the breadwinner. He might be out of the house more often than mom might be. So it creates this idealized male from a very early age. Yeah. And whether you have a good relationship with that idealized male or a bad relationship, it might eventually affect what kind of partner you pick for yourself. You know, we've all heard the term daddy issues. So if the father was absent, then perhaps you or abusive, perhaps you treat, you seek out someone who treats you much the same way. Whereas if you were a princess in your father's eyes, perhaps Mm -hmm. you accept nothing less than that from your own partner. Right. And anecdotal evidence shows that, um, women who have a very distant relationship with their father might have issues like inability to flirt or Mm -hmm. awkwardness in interacting with men. And it also reflects the, the self-worth. Uh, Peggy Drexler says that woman's relationship with her father correlates strongly with how, you know, like she perceives her self-worth. And that is a huge piece of baggage that we take into our relationships and the people that we unconsciously seek out. Yeah. So it might be just that we seek out people who are familiar to us, who we know we can live together with for a long period of time. And, you know, you live under your parents' house for under your parents' roof for a long time, so mm-hmm. you know you can live with them. So it might be a matter of just seeking out that familiarity in terms of traits and qualities that we seek out when we're partner hunting. But here, <laughs> here's something that caught me a little off guard, and this is research from Durham University, and about physical attraction to someone resembling your father. And this study found that women who get along great with their dads as kids. Just daddy's gal really loved him. Seek out men who physically resemble their fathers. So here's how they do this study. They've got a list of sort of 15 prominent features like lips, nose, cheekbones, brows, and, you know, the measurement of all of them. They've got um, a bunch of faces that kind of resemble the girl's father in the study. Mm-hmm. And they've got some random faces. They divide the groups into people who had good relationships and bad relationships. And then they start, you know, showing faces over and over again. And the women with bad dad relationships did not find men who looked like their fathers appealing at all when you account for these 15 key facial features they were searching for. Mm -hmm. Whereas the daddy's girls were all like, yep, sign me up for that. I find him attractive. So strange. So we're talking a lot, though, about, you know, daughter-father relationships. 
Guys, you are not immune to this either. Yeah. You're seeking out women who look like your dads. Psych. No. <laughs> um, there's, there are interesting relationships between, um, heterosexual men and the type of women that they seek out, particularly if their moms were go get them gals who were well educated and made some cash. Yeah. According to a study at the University of Iowa, uh, high achieving men were highly likely to marry a woman whose education level mirrors their moms. So this is my new dating tactic, Kristen. Okay. I find uh, really successful female CEOs in this area. Perhaps named Deborah, if you've listened to our baby names episode. Exactly. Then I search whether they have a 30-year-old son, thereabouts in the age range, uh-huh. because he's going to be totally cool with a high-achieving, go-getting woman. Man, Molly, I hope that there are a lot of high-achieving moms <laughs> listening to this right now, and you're about to get flooded with matchmaking. Send me the pictures of your sons. No, I mean, they're saying that, and they've only shown this for opposite-sex parents. They haven't done yeah. enough work with, you know... Um, women and their own mothers, but they're saying that the attraction thing holds up for women, for men and their mothers and the qualities they learn from their mother in terms of balancing career and family are very ingrained in this generation of men. Right. They're more accepting of higher powered, high earning women. They don't consider it something, you know, that would cause any kind of insecurity. And 68% of these high achieving men agreed with the statement, smart women make better mothers. Now that's, that's a bumper sticker. That's a sexy statement <laughs> if I've ever heard one. And like I said, this idea that you um, are going to respond more strongly to pictures of someone who looks like your parent is not just isolated to women and their dads. Another study uh, conducted by a University of Illinois psychologist found that in both men and women, now this study is different because they didn't ask how your relationship was with your parent. Right. But they did the same thing where they kind of morphed some faces together and mm-hmm. showed random pictures to people um, with the idea that some of these faces kind of resembled their parents. And both men and women went for a picture that resembled their opposite sex parent. Creepy. Creepy. Why so, might this happen, Kristen? Well, naturally, we need to go back to evolution, for starters. There's this idea that a process called imprinting could be the kicker. And imprinting is the notion that parental behavior may or may not affect mate choice. For instance, in one study they did, lambs, little baby lambs, like a Robert Lamb from Stuff to Blow Your Mind. Uh, lambs raised by goats then grew up to want to also mate with goats because that parental goat became their, you know, the, their pattern. Or for geese. Mate. Or geese are the most famous one where if a person raises... A goose. Mm -hmm. Then the goose believes that that person is their parent. Yeah. There's this idea that very from the time we're born, like attracts like in terms of you've got to stick with your own kind. And your own kind is thought to be the first person that you see. Yeah, there's an evolutionary biologist, Lisa de Bruin, who says that using mom or dad as a mating guide may be evolutionary insurance against mating with the wrong species, which is a possible throwback to a time when multiple hominids lived together. So, um, so yeah, but they're not, scientists aren't exactly sure the exact role imprinting might have, but like you said, it's, it, the like, um, mating with light goes back a long time. But, you know, we've talked so many times on this podcast, Kristen, about how a lot of mating subconsciously might be picking up people with different genes than us to ensure a really healthy baby. So this seems like this would go against it. I mean, it's, it's walking a fine line in terms of, you want to imprint on the right species so that you stay within your species when you mate, mm-hmm. but you don't want to stay too close. And so some people think that's why 
we have such these taboos against incest. Right. Because if you do mate with someone who's related to you, then your baby, evolutionarily speaking, doesn't have as good a chance as survival as a baby who's got different gene pools working within them. And here's where old Freud comes into play. Because Freud, no big surprise here, proposed that this incest taboo is a psychological thing that we have. Like we have a, we have a psychological urge to mate with our parents and we do find them very sexy. Oh, Freud. Oh, Freud. Um, and those experiments that you were talking about with the, the faces, the morphed faces, uh, were considered possibly evidence in favor of yeah. Freud's notion. Cause subconsciously yes. we are attracted to our parents. Right. But then there's this guy, Edward, Westermark, a sociologist who proposes that this is all, you know, this um, incest taboo is merely a cultural construct. That we've built it up because, you know, we have the reaction that you and I are having like, oh, kind of creepy. Yeah. No one wants to have sex with their father or their mother. So it's it's a matter of whether it's ingrained within our body somehow or whether it's something we just learned from an early age. And despite learning it from an early age, we still kind of carry that uh, map in our heads of the the perfect provider Mm-hmm. who was our dad and that maybe subconsciously we seek out someone who's like him both physically and emotionally. But I can see that changing radically, especially for our generation. And even, you know, going back to a generation before us um, in that dads aren't necessarily the breadwinner. I mean, we have a high divorce rate now. Very true. So the father figure might not be as present. And that's one thing that Peggy Drexler, who wrote Our Fathers Ourselves, points out. She she says that fathers are raising girls in genderless ways yeah. these days. And today, girls don't want to marry their dads. They want to be their dads. Oh, Freud would have a feeling with that one, too. <laughs> yeah. So it could be it could be interesting, you know, like 100 years down the line yeah. to see whether or not these studied results might change a little yeah. bit we with might the culture. Be on, we might be on the cusp of a huge father-daughter change. Perhaps. And, but we got to remember those those hirening men and their moms. Don't leave them out, Molly. <laughs> Those are the best kind. <laughs> yes. Uh, so interesting topic. That's where we are. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts. Um, obviously, we're not trying to promote incest. No, no. We just <laughs> found a, an interesting strand of research and thought we should share it with you. I am now uh, going to think a lot more carefully about whether men I'm attracted to look at all like my father. And, you know, if you want to kind of learn more, just if you Google kind of these these words we've been throwing out in terms of men who look like your father, they they pull out a lot of celebrities in these mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. and show how, you know, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow is a good example. They say that her husband looks a lot like what her dad did mm-hmm. when she was young. You can find a lot of pictures on the Internet that will kind of support this. And I bet a few listeners out there might have pictures that prove that, yes, they're husband, their spouse might might pass slightly as their father. Yeah, so far asking this question on Twitter, our followers have said, oh my God, no, no, there's no way. Because no one wants to say like, yeah, you know, like, like uh, dad, totally. kind of attracted to my dad. But we also have to think about personality characteristics as well. Anyway, leave it up to you listeners. Let us know your thoughts. Momstuff at HowStuffWorks.com if you'd like to write us an email. And let's read one of those emails right now. I have one here from Lauren on our episode we did a while ago on librarian. And she is writing about librarian stereotypes because she is, in fact, a library school student. 
So, here are some fun stereotypes. She said, I would venture to say that perhaps eight out of ten of my librarian coworkers and classmates wear glasses. I'm also an MBA student, and in my business classes, it's rare to see even one out of ten people wearing glasses. And I also think that everyone I've met in library school knows how to knit or crochet. There are those people who tend to play up the sexy stereotype by wearing pin-up-y type clothes like tight pencil skirts and cardigans, red lipstick, and horn-rimmed glasses. But there are also a large number who don't wear makeup or even bras. My goodness. Many librarians in library school students have tattoos, visible and not, and a large number also have interesting piercings. And as far as technology goes... I recently attended a seminar and noticed that though I was the youngest person in the room, something like 60% of the audience used smartphones or iPads, and many were tweeting about the presentations as they happened. So librarians are not always hiding behind their card catalogs, but rather frequently embrace the future and want to integrate new technologies into library use. It's all about increasing access to good, reliable sources of information. Here, here, Lauren, and thank you for writing in. Again, our email address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com if you'd like to toss in your two cents. And you can also toss in your two cents on Facebook. Like us there, leave a comment, interact with other listeners. You can also follow us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. And you can also read our blog during the week. It's Stuff Mom Never Told You from howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. The House of Work's iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?